from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is my honor and my privilege to be with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the live line with you right here on mixlr dot com backslash wake up call dt anything that has the internet gets the show so if you're on your laptop your desktop your ipad your ipod your tablet your whatever we are here with you all the time as long as you have the internet and the way that we're going in this world porter potties have the internet so you'll be able to hear me while you utilize the restroom at a game someday probably so this is where we're at the internet is everywhere i'm happy to be with you and on the go, whatever you have in your schedule, whether you're home with the kids, you got a day off, you're at work, you're running around, you're at the gym, you're practicing for one of the sports coming up, whatever it may be, I appreciate you making this a part of your day from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We're starting off the morning menu today with somebody who I've had the opportunity to meet recently. First time that we actually sat down with one another was when we broke bread at a very, very uh, pretty I call it a prestigious and wonderful event. It means a lot to me. It's been going on for a while. And then it's the Willow Street Foundation Golf Tournament. It gives money back to the kids, underprivileged kids in the community. So this is where Dennis and I had an opportunity to first speak with one another. And I had made mention of the retirement of Lawrence Moton's jersey. And and I remember he leaned forward and he said, mine too. And the funny thing about where we stand today is that was in August Here we are in December of the same year, and both his jersey and Lawrence Moton's jersey will be retired this season, and it is about darn time for both. Number 22 of Syracuse, Dennis Duval, is here with me right now on the broadcast, and I am more than happy to speak with him coming up right after the announcement that his jersey will finally hang up on the rafters with the rest of the greats. Dennis, how are you doing today? Good morning, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And, and Dennis, first and foremost, to go back to that moment, which was uh, really exciting for me to remember when, you know, because I had, I've known Lawrence for the past, I don't even know, four, three, four, five years. And so he's talked to me a lot about, you know, I want to, I want to get my jersey retired. I want it to, you know, I want to be in that position. I want it to be done. I feel like I've done enough. And then when I met you and I was speaking about you and what you've done for the community, both on the court as well as in law enforcement to protect the community, I'll never forget that moment where you where you leaned forward and you said and you said mine too. You know, it's it's time for mine too to have that opportunity to go from saying you know I really hope someday, and that was just a few months ago, to having it be a reality. Just just how nice of a a, a kind of storyline that is to an August say. I want my jersey retired. I feel like it's time, and here we are in December, and it's going to happen in January. Well, a lot of um, Dan had to do. There was uh, a lot of conversation, obviously, in the community at the time. And, you know, 
people were having conversations with me and asking me about it. And, and that's why when you mentioned it to me, uh, you know, all I was doing was um, expressing what other people were expressing to me. Um, I'm, I'm very comfortable with the fact that it's happening now and I'm elated about it for obvious reasons. And I'm um, extremely proud of it. And um, I appreciate uh, tremendously what the university has done for me and over the years and, and given me the opportunity to, to be there and get an education and, and to compete. Dennis, what has this university done for you? When you look at your life and you look at where you're at right now, what can you say you're thankful the most to Syracuse for? Well, obviously, the original opportunity. I mean, you take a kid that came from downstate New York, uh, from a neighborhood that, uh, in a situation that wasn't the um, best and the brightest, uh, it started me on a path of, of, of being able to see that there was a bigger world, uh, there was a bigger family. Um, when you go to Syracuse University and you see the outreach and the, the possibilities of, of alumni and different things that in, could enhance your life, um, you realize when you're an 18 year old kid and now you're out of that uh, environment and now you've moved on and, and you've uh, expanded yourself, you can see the reach that being part of a, of a, a bigger picture can offer you. And I've been able to um, obviously uh, take advantage of those things from the positions that originally that the university gave me, gave me a scholarship, afforded me an education. And, and taking those opportunities that were in front of me and, and obviously uh, done something with it. And when you look at what you've done, speaking here with Dennis Duval of Syracuse's basketball history, as well as, you know, in the history of law enforcement and protecting the community, Dennis, just what you could say, I mean, before we went on the air, you had spoken about looking at this opportunity, uh, like I had said, you and I had met the first time we ever got to sit down and talk was at the Willow Street Foundation Golf Tournament. It's something that uh, the, my, a good friend of mine, Mark Jones, puts on every single year for the past a bunch of years that we have here in the community. And the money goes back to underprivileged children to give them an education, a higher education here in Syracuse, New York. And it, it does so much for the community. It means so much. And so first and foremost, I, I kind of want to start there in, you know, you being a part of that and coming out and doing that and, and giving back to the community because not only was it nice to finally meet you after hearing about you for so many years, but to meet you at an event like that was something special. Well, Mark has been a friend of mine uh, for uh, numerous years, um, and uh, I understand and I recognize what he's been doing uh, specifically for the kids in this community. Uh, we have participated in that, and I've personally participated in the last, you know, four years uh, with him uh, because I know the great job that he's doing and I know what the impact it has for the kids in this community uh, for sure. And to be at that event, I had the opportunity and the honor of, of introducing not only yourself, but a bunch of the Syracuse guys that were in town. And in that opportunity of introduction, you know, spoke on how you've helped the community both on the court and in in service to the community on the on the police force and just what you've done for the community outside of that and to be the basketball player that you were is one thing to help in 
law enforcement is another thing and a greater calling. And and we had also uh, spoken about you know Lawrence Moulton and the Jersey retirement and how I've how I've known Lawrence for a while and he's been talking with me about it for a while and 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 you leaned in and said you know it's time for me too and very nicely not not disrespectfully not angrily not anything just you know somebody who if I was in your position would say hey you know I hope that while I'm on this planet it gets to happen so to know that you know we had that moment of you saying you know, hopefully me too. And now it's going to be you and Lawrence, the irony of saying that in August or in December, and it's going to happen for you in January, just what that means. Well, as you know, uh, when we were talking that day and, 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 you know, that conversation came up that, you know, when you mentioned it during the dinner, you know, at, at, and make an announcement for Moulton, while I was sitting at the table with others that were close to me and obviously friends that, that known me for a long time, you know, they're, they're whispering in my ear also. Say, you know, uh, it's time for you too. And and that's where the conversation uh, came from. And obviously people have been saying and talking to me under the same, same realm for, for numerous years. And, you know, with the expectation that someday that that might happen. And you know what? It has happened. Um, the university has made an announcement. And, and that's, uh, I'm, I'm happy for Lawrence. And I'm also happy for myself. And when you look at that moment that both of you were in the building at the Willow Street Foundation, both of you were there with the community, you know, you have that hope. And like you said, you have your friends, you know, whispering in your ear, you know, that that hopefully your day will come very soon. How surreal is that to you to have these conversations over the years, to have those conversations in August, to have you both in the same room in front of the community in August, and then you both are going to have an opportunity this year, I mean, I, I guess what I'm asking, at least in the world that I live in, is how people say God works in mysterious ways. I think he works in purposeful ways. But just, you know, what that means to you to have it be a thought and now it's going to be a reality. Well, I believe also that God works in, in, in great and mysterious ways, uh, uh, too. I mean, through my faith in, in God, I know that he has control over uh, everything. So um, for this to happen now, you know, it's it's the right time for it to happen. It, you know, it's it's um, it's supposed to happen when it happens. I mean, I, I have no control of it before. I knew that. I accepted that. And you know, I'm obviously elated about it happening now. And the fact that you and I had that conversation, and then you know, uh, several months later, it, it's come to reality. Uh, it is a little surreal, but you know what? Being as surreal as it may be, I'm extremely happy about. it. And to have this this opportunity, Dennis, I want to go back to your playing days. Speaking here with Dennis Duval, former Syracuse player, who will have, have his jersey retired this season on January 6th inside the Carrier Dome against Notre Dame. Huge game, great rivalry. Dennis, I want to go back to your playing days and what you think, you know, the what you think Syracuse University saw in this, because there's not there's not a lot of I mean, there's a lot of guys that have played Syracuse basketball, and there's not a lot of jerseys up there. So Go back to your playing days. What what was it about those days that you think has, has put you up there on the rafters? I'm going to ask you to, to to talk about yourself a little bit. And for those who don't know, to share, you know, what life was like on Syracuse's court back when you were playing. Well, first of all, um, one of the most, I guess, the thing I'm one of the most proud about is uh, in, uh, in four years of college, and obviously I only was allowed to play three out of the four years, we only lost one home game. I only lost one home game in three years of college. So uh, I'm 
most proud of that. The fact of the matter that I was on a team that um, was probably undersized in terms of uh, size structure in, in teams. We won a lot of games, and we won a lot of games because we played together. Uh, it was a team concept. We did a lot of running, a lot of pressing. Um, I believe uh, the fact that because we played as a team, we won more games than we lost because of that. Uh, there was a structure there at the time, and we played the, you know, the zone defense, but we also had a lot of pressing. We did a lot of running and fast breaking, which was exciting to the fans. But I think uh, a lot had to do with the times. You know, this is, you're talking in the late 70s. There was you know, a lot of showmanship uh, related to the pregame things. There's things that people remembered you know, um, about that team and the teams that I were on. But it was, um, it was the start of something. It was also uh, the beginning of, of, of us re-entering into the NCAA tournaments. Um, personally, you know, I, I, my senior year, I was one of the captains on the team. And I think uh, because of the fact that, you know, I was able to be, uh, you know, I was, you know, slated as two-time All-American at the time. And, you know, I think I contributed to the program as well as my teammates. I mean, a lot of what, you know, these accolades that I'm getting – related to my jersey being retired, you know, it's because of my teammates. And I have to give them credit and the fact that, you know, playing with them and, and being winning with them collectively was how we were viewed them. And when you look back at your teammates, Dennis, just what you could say about some of those people that will always mean something to you, mean something to you right now, some of those people that you that you shared in these games and these opportunities with, it, like you said, only losing one home game in three years. Who are some of those guys that will always stick out to you? Well, obviously in the backcourt, you know, I played with uh, my my first year with Greg Coles, who was probably one of the prolific scorers in, in our school's history in, in the time he was there. And obviously, I'm extremely close with Jim Lee. We, we both uh, we we talked uh, yesterday. Um, and we're close because we're, we, you know, we practice against each other position-wise every day. Uh, Mike Lee, his brother, Mark Waddick, um, Stevie Shaw, uh, Billy DeMauro, Rudy Hackett, I mean, Bobby Dooms. I mean, I can go down. Uh, Chris Cease. Um, these are all my teammates at, at the time. But, um, you know, when you share moments of, of good and bad and you go into battle, you don't forget them. And when you go into battle in those games, like you said, you only lost one home game in three years with Syracuse University, and that game was a one-point loss, 61-60, to to UConn, that team that Syracuse just defeated in that rivalry that never dies. This was back in the early 70s, Dennis. Do you still remember that day and go, damn it, UConn? I mean, do you still have those moments? I can tell you today, I can. I remember like it was yesterday, it was snowing as hard as it could snow, um, which was always a good sign for us. Uh, when it snowed, you know, either, you know, the night of the game or during the game, going to the game, you know, it was always a good sign. But you know what? Um, back then, Manly was the place to be, like the Dome is now. Uh, it was packed to the rafters all the time. Um, we had, you know... Pittsburgh has the zoo, but we created the zoo. I mean, if you look back at, at the, the fans then, they were right on the court. It, it was a little bit different. Uh, people did not want to play there or come there to play us uh, for, for obvious reasons. Um, but it was uh, it was a different time, but it was just as, as 
as exciting as it is to the dome. Listen, I wish I could have played at the dome. I, you know, I, you know, I go there and say, "Geez, I, you know, I would have loved to play here, but I wouldn't give up playing in Manly for anything." Speaking here with Dennis Duval, whose jersey will be retired on January sixth against Notre Dame this season inside of the Carrier Dome. Dennis, when you look at the time, like you said, you would you would love to have had the opportunity to play in the dome. But I want to go back to Manly. You know, Manly now is a practice facility. It's it's obviously different than what it used to be. I call it the mini dome. That's what I've always called it. What what can you say about what Manly Fieldhouse meant to you? Like you said, you would have loved to play in the dome, but you'll always appreciate Manly Fieldhouse. For those that didn't get to see it or for those that did get to see it, what about Manly Fieldhouse was so special, so nostalgic? What connects you to it in a special way? Because, you know, kids now, they talk about the Dome, the Dome. I love being in the Dome. I walked into the Dome. I mean, they bring the football team when they're recruiting kids for football. They bring them to basketball games in the Dome where there's 30,000 people there and they're like, wouldn't you like to play here? I mean, the Dome has become such a tool, so... So to switch gears and look at Manly, what was so special about Manly for you? Well, what was so special with me was the crowds. I mean, if you were at that game and, you know, you were in that crowd, um, it, it was loud. And I'm telling you, when I say loud, it was loud. But um, they were right on top of you. The fans were right on top of the, the, the other teams. I mean, you could hear everything in there. Um, obviously, there was a dirt floor underneath. Our floor was raised three feet off the ground. Uh, it was a great floor to, um, to to play on because it was great on your body and on your knees. But the fact of the matter is is that, you know, it was a tough place to environment. And, and to, to us, that was an advantage. And um, the fact that the crowd was there every night rooting us on, um, people loved it. I mean, people came early to the games, um, and they looked forward to it. And when you, when you, and when you say a, a tough place to play, some people have compared Manly because because the fans are right on top of you. They've compared that to like a Cameron Indoor, which isn't that big, and the fans are right there. It, just just to speak on that, I mean, it's obviously the dome gets loud, the fans are around it, the fans are close, but just just to speak to Manly, where you know all the stories I hear is that you know if somebody's taking the ball out of bounds. There's a Syracuse fan like whispering in the ear of the Georgetown player. Well, yeah, yes, that's true. We didn't play Georgetown at the time, but it was whispering in the ear to St. John's, you know, St. John's plays and plays of, of that magnitude. But uh, it might have been even closer than, than whispering in their ear at times because they used to have to make room for them to take the ball out of bounds. The referee had to make sure that there was no interference from the crowd and nothing. But I'm telling you, when you came out of that tunnel, when we came out of that tunnel, um, you just knew. That coming from Dennis Duval in January 6th, once again, his jersey will be retired in during that Notre Dame game at the Carrier Dome. Dennis, before I let you go, you said that Syracuse University has, has done so much for you, and it's not just on the basketball court. Your career in law enforcement and protecting the community for over two decades, just what you can say about... I want to start with what Syracuse University as a whole means to you and then to look at what you did after your career in basketball. So first and foremost, you know, what Syracuse truly you feel like has done for your life? Well, you know, the fact that um, when I was being recruited, my high school coach said, uh, 
whatever school that you um, choose to go to, um, think about making your home there afterwards. So, I guess a little emotionally, the fact that this is my home. And um, it always will be. And where does that emotion come from, Dennis, that when you think about Syracuse being home, that it gets you choked up a little bit? Well, I guess because, um, you know, you give, you just keep giving, and this community just embraces you. And uh, they don't forget. When people come up to you today and yesterday and two weeks ago and you played in the early 70s and they come up to you, Dennis, and they say to you, man, I remember that game against such and such. I remember seeing you play. You know, it, it, they, they walk up to you and, and they look at you and they say, Dennis, I remember that game at home against Pittsburgh in 1973 when the team won by eight points. And I remember what you did in that game. And I haven't just seen – I've, I've seen it with so many, with, with Roosevelt Bowie, with Rob Drummond on the other side of things, with, you know, I, I mean, with Dale Shackelford. It doesn't matter where Gene Waldron – it doesn't matter where I go, John Wallace. These, these, you know, all of you guys, you just get – you know, somebody comes up to you in a bar somewhere or a restaurant – or the field, or the, or the golf course, or whatever it may be, and they say, Dennis, I remember when, and then they just they just regurgitate word for word something they saw as a kid. Just what that means to you, because you said that the community never forgets in Syracuse. No, they don't, and uh, we all appreciate it, True, truly appreciate it. And uh, the fact of the matter that they still recognize us as players, as human beings, and they, they don't forget the joy that you gave them. I guess that's, um, that's important. And and that joy that you not only gave them on on the court, but the protection of the community, Dennis, why, why be in law enforcement? Why do what you did for as many years as you did? Why was that so important to you because obviously you know you know from being a basketball player that you get critiqued positively or negatively constructively or destructively in law enforcement it's a million times worse at times so So, you know what what made you want to be in law enforcement and secondly how did you handle when (laughs) when people criticized how you did your job because for some odd reason, you know, and as we move forward in society, people criticize more and more and more and more and more. But, you know, you went through your fair shake of it just like anybody else did. Well, first of all, I come from a law enforcement family. My uncles, my cousins uh, downstate New York were, you know, they were in law enforcement, um, some prior to me and some after me. But um, I'm no different than any other person that came through law enforcement, there's an expectation that you serve the community. Uh, it's not us against them. It, it, we serve the community. We have a responsibility to to do certain things under the law to make sure that 
we do the right things as, as far as service in the community. I was lucky to be able to work a long time with the Syracuse Police Department. I started at the bottom, and obviously I rose to be the chief of police and the first African-American chief of police in the history of the, of the uh, city. But with that responsibility uh, comes, comes a lot, um, and, and there's a lot of expectation uh, uh, from the community, rightfully so, to try to do the right thing. Uh, all the time, and it's part of your responsibility. It's part of every law enforcement uh, officer's responsibility to to work in a manner that is acceptable to the community that they serve in, um, and that doesn't change um, from here to uh, to any other city. Um, I think um, Syracuse Police Department has a rich tradition uh, of being one of the better police departments in the United States. I think they always will have that. But like with every institution, there's ups and downs, there's problems. But the fact of the matter is, it's all about listening. And it's all about hearing what's going on around you. It's accepting the good and the bad. Uh, nothing's perfect, as I said to you a long time ago. Uh, obviously, law enforcement is not a perfect profession. There are things that need to be changed. Um, there's things that uh, need to be recognized that, that uh, are problematic in the way that um, law enforcement goes about their jobs, but they're honorable people. They're trying to do the right thing. Uh, like any profession, there's some that shouldn't be there and there's, some, and there's mechanisms for to address that. Um, I personally uh, uh, love serving in, in the police department. I, I love giving back in that manner. I, like other law enforcement people, believe so much in, in, in this community that I risk my life for it. And I'm no different than any other police officer that was uh, working the streets in, in, in anywhere in America. But um, that is something uh, that I uh, look back on and, and glad I did. Uh, I have a son that's um, going into that uh, currently. So, um, but I got a lot from it. And um, it was rewarding for me, no matter how many problems there were, no matter what um, circumstances you came up against that were anti-law enforcement, you have a responsibility to serve the community. That's the bottom line. And um, you're supposed to do that in the best way and in, in, in the safest manner that you can. But you have a responsibility first to the people in that community. That's who you work for. And you have to recognize that and accept that. So um, to answer your question, um, you know, I, I thought it was a, a, um, a, a good fit for me. Uh, for my personality, I thought that uh, I respected the community that I served in, just like many of the officers I served with. And I still believe in uh, the goodness of uh, the relationship between community and law enforcement. And I think that there is a mechanism for it to get better. Speaking here with Dennis Duval, whose jersey will be retired on January 6th up against Notre Dame in the Carrier Dome. And Dennis and I speaking on, you know, life outside of basketball Dennis, like you said, there's there's some people that should be in. There's some things that need to be changed. If somebody shouldn't be in law enforcement, there's mechanisms for that. You know, you're living in a world, and and, and I want to take, you know, a unique approach for this because to me personally, I don't think color should matter. I don't think age should matter. I don't think sex should matter. I don't care who you love should matter. I think if you're a good person, you're a good person. I think if you're not so great of a person, well, then – Maybe that needs to be, you know, dealt with judiciously and, and diplomatically. Mm-hmm. You living in the world that, that we live in today, to be African-American and law enforcement, 
There has been, obviously with the NFL, there's been a, a lot with standing up against police brutality, trying to make it be known. And it's not about the flag, and people think it's about the flag because of one that happened and whatnot. It's, it, it's, it's about the fact that there are things in this country that are still wrong. As an African-American man, and as somebody who has been in law enforcement for over two decades in your lifetime, how do you look at this? Because you're seeing it from both angles, you're seeing it from both sides, and as just a human being, I would assume that, you know, you you know that there's some broken pieces that have to be mended. I'm not, I'm not offended by people recognizing that things are wrong as a, a prior law enforcement person. I, and, and I think those that are in law enforcement realize that we're always, we're always should be trying to get better at what we do. So I'm not offended by anyone saying that there's things that are not right. But the fact of the matter is you need to know that once that happens, you should be doing things to try to correct those things on both sides of the equation. Well, and I say both sides, I mean both in law enforcement and the community should be working collectively to address those issues. That's how things get resolved. That's how people get to know other people and understand and respect both sides of the coin. I think there, there far too many times is people have um, issues with things but don't want to come to solutions. I'm about solutions. That's what I've always prided myself about is working with people to come up with solutions to make the situation better. And uh, some say that I was better at it than others. But the fact of the matter is, uh, if there's a problem, you should be trying to find a solution. I respect the fact that people will see that there are there are gaps and in, in, in things that need to be corrected in law enforcement. But that takes two sides. The law enforcement is, is, is only good as the community allows it to be. They have to work with the community. The community has to work with law enforcement. And I think most communities recognize that. And I know they do that in Syracuse community. I know the communication is, is a key, and there has been continuous communication. But there will be problems. Things will happen. Incidents will happen. We all have to respect the fact that there's a process. And sometimes that process doesn't seem equitable. But you have to understand there's still a process. That's what makes our country what it is. Um, it doesn't make one side right and one side wrong. I don't think you should ever make that stance in terms of, of, of situations or incidents. I think you need to take the facts, examine the facts, um, and live with the, and live what happens and, and live with um, the, the solutions that come up or the answers that come up. Uh, but there are problems. Uh, I, I respect that. But, and I respect these athletes. I was one of those at one time, and, and I think the matter is – is being addressed from especially from the nba's perspective uh they're going out forming relationships with community and law enforcement to try to resolve and, uh, some of the issues and see if they can create a preventive uh, uh, situation where there is a relationship so when things happen that you go talk to people figure it out you know this is not perfect we don't live in a perfect world do you see anything in the world that we live in today that, because you and I had spoken about this off the air, that negativity and hate, <clears throat> we think there's so much more of it in the world today because we see it, you know, and, and back in the day before social media, if somebody was just a hateful, angry person who was a shut-in in their house, they didn't have a computer or social media 
to type on and to tell everybody how they feel. They just told all of their you know, all of their relatives that came over to check in on them and see how they were doing. They told you they unloaded on you. Now they can unload on the world. And I said, because, you know, we see so much of this hate and because it tries to be so loud and that love is quiet and love doesn't feel the need to scream, that, you know, people see the world a certain way now. And there's always been problems. But I feel like, you know, we focus in and we zero in on the hate. What positives do you see in the world today? What do you, I mean, because for me, I encounter on a daily basis, thanks to God, to the job that I have, people like yourself who are positive, who care about things, who are not afraid to be emotional about the things that they care about. And, you know, there's, there's just, I'm, I surround myself with people who challenge me, who are respectful. And if for any reason there's a sexist, racist, prejudice, some type of comment that comes up in front of me, I am the person to respectfully say, I'm not cool with that. I'm not that guy that you're going to have this conversation with. It's just going to shut up and pretend like I didn't hear it. What do you see in in this world? Because I try to surround myself with as much positivity, but I'm not going to lie to you. Negativity always tries to creep up and shake its head at you. So, I mean, what do you see in the world today? Well, you know, I, uh, for obvious reasons, I mean, I've I've got two two kids and, uh, 22 and, and 20 and I've always tell them the same thing that my father told us uh, m- my brothers that you know people judge you by who you're with and and, and the things that you do so um, I'm not around negative people because uh, it, to me that's that's not uh, productive there's a lot obviously in the, with social media that there's a lot of brave people behind com- computers and phones um, but uh, lots of times they don't have exposure to the people they have these ill feelings against. They don't even know them, you know, and it's very easy to, to be able to be hateful or cynical or a lot of things when you have a computer in front of you and you're not physically in that person's environment. I think a lot of what goes on gives people a platform that they wouldn't normally exercise in a different type of scenario. I'm not against the platform, <clears throat> but I believe that a lot of people hide behind it. I think um, being able to express your feelings about things, whether you agree or disagree, uh, probably uh, as long as it's done in a respectful manner and, and done uh, in the right way is, is uh, helpful. But, you know, hate has no place anywhere in my world uh, for me. Uh, people that are hateful, I have nothing to do with, nor do I want to be exposed to be around it. I think that is destructive and non-productive. So my, my agenda has always been to help others whenever I can. Um, I'm not saying I can help everybody, but, you know, there's a lot of times just listening, being in here um, is helpful to people and, and not being afraid of things that are different or than you or different than your ideas, being able to exchange those those thoughts and ideas and, and be a distinct difference in a view and, and seeing their view, but just and but also be able to respect that. Uh, we don't all think the same. God didn't make us the same. He didn't expect us to all be the same. But the fact of the matter is, is that he also expected us to be, uh, he, he taught us that, uh, respect. The fact is, is that a lot of what goes on is a platform for hate that we as a country and we as a community should not embrace. And I don't think there's a place for that anywhere. 
I don't think there's a place for that in sports. I don't think there's a place for that in medicine. I don't think there's a place for that anywhere in our society. So, um, you know, I see the same things, Dan, that you see. You know, I mean, I see the things that go on in the world and accept them. And, you know, I, I ponder more about uh, the future for my kids, you know, and, and what they see and how they're going to shape the things that are going to make a difference in this world. You know, doing nothing uh, takes no effort. That's what I've always been told. Doing nothing, I mean, to say no it, it, and, and not to get involved, it, it doesn't take any effort. But by saying yes, it takes a lot of effort. <laughs> now you got to do something. So when you see something that's wrong and you accept it and you just let it happen, that's it, that takes no effort, but it makes no change either. So if you stand up and say, you know, I don't agree with that, or you know what, I'm not going to be part of that, that takes some effort, and people recognize effort. That coming from Dennis Duval, and and Dennis, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. To sit, to sit by and know that something's wrong and just kind of shake your head at it doesn't make it better. It doesn't change the world. It doesn't change people's mindsets. And, you know, when somebody says, listen, whether I say something or not, Dan, it's not going to change anything. Nothing's going to get better. You know, this person's not going to listen to me. If that's the mentality of the whole world, I always come back to this analogy that I came up with as a kid. And I said, if you decide, you know what, I'm not going to put my trash out because the guy next door is going to put the trash out for me. And if everybody thought that way, then everybody's houses would stink because nobody would put the trash out and it would just pile up and pile up to a point where the entire community is a pigsty. Because if we always have the mentality of the neck, I hope my na- I hope my neighbor, I hope my friend, I hope my wife, I hope my kids will be better than me. Then what's the point of being here? True. My mother used to say, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. That was her saying to us. You got to stand up for something. <laughs> you just did it. You got to make a difference. And no truer words have been spoken in life. If you don't stand for, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And that is that is a very very honest and true statement. Dennis Duval, Jersey retirement coming up in less than a month. It was a month yesterday, January 6th. If you haven't bought tickets to the Notre Dame game, listen, I don't care if you like Notre Dame. I don't care what's going on in your schedule. Move it, change it, switch it. This is a a once-in-a-lifetime moment for a man who has served not only on the court but served in life and in this community. And for anybody that gets choked up over a city that's my home, when people say, why would you come back? You lived in Orlando, Florida. You had great weather down there. You got Disney down there. You got teams galore down there. I said, listen, I fly back and forth all the time. I just did that. And, you know, the question was, well, why did you come back to Syracuse? And I said, because if I'm going to create my company and I was going to put my name on the door, I couldn't put my name on the door in any better place in the world than Syracuse, New York, because it's my blood. It is my sweat. It is my tears. It is my joy. It is my laughter. And it's, you know what? It's humbling, Dennis, to meet somebody who the city of Syracuse and the care for Central and Upstate New York could bring you to tears because, you know, I always thought I was that weirdo that just loved my city way too much. Cuse is home. <laughs> it is. That coming from Dennis Duval. Dennis, we, we got a lot coming up. Next year, you're going to be with me on site at the CNY Pop Festival. You agreed to do it before any of this stuff came up. And it's, it's a beautiful blessing that people will be able to come up and shake your hand and 
say they saw you on January 6th and that they got to appreciate that. But I just want to thank you for being one of those people that, you know, when I'm trying to do something good for the community, as we as we go off of that theme that you said, hey, you know what, count me in. So I look forward to having you in August, but obviously I'll be talking to you way before then. Thanks, Dan, and I appreciate everything. All right, Thanks take care, much. Dennis. Thank you. Go Orange. Take care. That coming from Dennis Duval once again, Dennis of Syracuse University's men's basketball history. Ecto Course said, Dennis, thank you for your service. He appreciates that, and I'm going to text him and make sure that that he knows. So he appreciates that very much. So Dennis, uh, getting choked up about Syracuse. I appreciate that very. I I appreciate that because this city does. This city gets me emotional. You know, when I tell you to come out to an event, I'm not just like, hey, come out and spend money. Just I'm saying come out and hang out. Come out and have a good time. Listen, we're inundated with negativity. We're inundated with craziness. Why would you take away... Why would you look at somebody like me, who's trying to help this city and this community be better? Who's trying to bring fun and energy and positive enjoyment to this community? Why would you turn your back on that? Why would you... Say, you know what? I'm not going to come out. I'm not going to have fun tonight. I'm not going to come out. I'm not going to try something new. I'm not going to come out and laugh. I'm not going to come out and learn. I'm not going to come out and, you know, be with somebody who really honestly appreciates and enjoys this world. You'd be crazy. So we hope to see you tonight for game show night at Muddy Waters at 7 p.m. Every Thursday at 7 p.m. in Baldwinsville at Muddy Waters. And why? Because it's fun. Because it's different. Because it's interesting. And because it's positive. You know, just like Dennis said, we try to do good things for the community. And whether it's game show night or serving on the force or standing up against something, whatever it may be. I slept on the steps of the courthouse in Scranton, Pennsylvania to stand up against the fact that, you know, the poverty in northeastern Pennsylvania and the people that were living, we, we laid there for the homeless. It was 20 degrees outside that day, sleeping on a stone. I think I slept for an hour, maybe two. We were right in the middle, wide open, and we took a stand. And I take a stand every single day to try and bring you a product that you can be proud of, that you can be happy with, that you can look and say, you know what, I'm happy that Dan Satora is from Syracuse because I like his positivity and I like what he stands for. I like the events he does. I like he tries. I like that he tries to engage the community. And you know what, darn it, I'm going to go out and engage with the community. I'm going to be a part of this too. I love Syracuse, New York. I love Central and Upstate New York. This is my home. And I will do anything to take care of my home to the best of my ability with morals and values. So, for those of you that love this city, love this community as much as I do, I hope I get to meet you. I'm happy I got to meet Dennis. And I cannot wait to see Dennis on January 6th when they retire that jersey. And outside of that, I can't wait to see Dennis at the CNY Pop Festival. And I love the fact that he's going to be able to meet all you guys. All you ladies. All you kids. It's going to be great. We're going to take a st- <clears throat> step aside for a fast break. And we're going to come back with Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl conversation. UCF. Auburn. And Peach Bowl Inc. President and CEO that oversees the Chick-fil-A kickoff game and the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Gary Stoken. He's going to be with me in just a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. 
Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. At this part of the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market, across from Destiny, USA. It is the home of the Dan Tortora special, voted top five sandwiches in Central New York. You are awesome. Thank you for that. And the morning menu proudly brings to you the list of topics for every single show, Monday through Friday, from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We have now gotten to the point of the show where Peach Bowl, Inc., 
president and CEO Gary Stoken is front and center. The Chick-fil-A kickoff game, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. This time around, I mean, I had the opportunity to start the season at the Chick-fil-A kickoff game with Alabama and Florida State. And here we are at the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl with UCF and Auburn. Hard to believe that we've run the gamut of the regular season already, but here is where we stand. I was standing with this man just a weekend ago at Central Florida for UCF and Memphis, and I'm very happy to have him back here on the show. Gary, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Dan. I got to ask, though, what's in that sandwich that's uh, ranked top five? <laughs> the sandwich is its my spin on the breakfast sandwich, so... It's bacon, egg, and cheese, but instead of an English muffin or a bagel, it's inside of of two pieces of a Belgian waffle. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> it's very good. It's uh, it, it's it's very very good. It's it's one of their top sellers. And he told me I was like, I kind of want to do something out of the box. So he said, go ahead and see if it'll work. And I think the first within the first day, we did it on like a Thursday, and then on the Friday. There was uh, two gentlemen, probably in their 70s, that were sitting in there getting the sandwich, and then you get the college kids, and you get the parents, and everybody seems to like this thing. I mean, I'm a breakfast sandwich guy, and I I always go in, and I'm like, do I want eggs, or do I want pancakes, or do I want a waffle? So I figured, why not just give everybody both, and I'm thankful that Central New York has has liked it. I mean, it's it's been good. Sounds like Permanente Brothers in Pittsburgh, where they put the coleslaw and the french fries and the tomatoes uh and the, and the meat all on the on the roll on the italian bread and you just go yeah so, you get listen you got it so you, tell this guy in central new york i just promoted his uh sandwich having you talk about it so next time i'm up there which has been a long time i'll come up there and see you in wild hack and uh, we'll go by there and get one of those that sounds fair to me so i will i will let tony know i will let tony and, and elaine know two great people that they run the market diner i'll let them know that the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl and kickoff game and Peach Bowl Inc. and the man that's doing so much work down south in Atlanta is going to come up here to get a sandwich. Because I know there's good eating down south, but, you know, to have you promote the one up here, that's good stuff. So I'll let him know he got an endorsement today for free. I'll, I'll let him know that. And he's either competent or you're buying. <laughs> I So so I would you say I'm either confident or I'm buying? Is that what you said? You're, you're either competent, so I'm getting it free. Or you're oh, com- oh, comping it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, fair enough. So I so I have to do that. But see, in all fairness, then, then when I come down to Atlanta again, since this yeah, didn't happen yeah, last, you're you're gonna buy me a Chick Fil A sandwich. Sure. Or sure. or comping it. So. That's right. Listen, when I come down south, it's all day Chick Fil A. So. It's all southern hospitality when you come down here. That's right. And 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 I want to start with that, Gary. It's actually perfect segue of, of Southern hospitality because of the fact that before we get to the game and before we get to the matchup to look at what you've, what you've done, what Peach Bowl Inc has done, we've discussed this before, but the connection with the community, the desire to have the college football hall of fame come down there to, you know, have had the final four been there recently. The Atlanta Falcons are right there. The Atlanta Hawks are there to have the kickoff game, to have the golf tournament, to have the Peach Bowl. There's so much going on in Atlanta, and you get to put your hands into a lot of things. And even if something isn't directly your job, you have branched out to say, well, what can I do to help this city become more of a beacon? So just to speak to that and and to your passion for sports, because it's obviously paid off dividends for Atlanta and beyond. 
Yeah, we're, we're very blessed to be a part of a great city that has um, just wonderful assets to entertain and to host uh, major sporting events, whether it's the number one airport in the world with uh, 83% of the country can be in Atlanta on a two-hour direct nonstop flight to uh, great interstates that intersect in the middle of downtown with uh, so regional transportation. People can drive here rather easily. And then when you once you get in the city, whether it's Marta to get around or you stay downtown in, you know, four and five star hotels, uh, which are in walking distance to whether it's the College Football Hall of Fame, the Aquarium, CNN Center, etc. And then there are uh, easy walks to our stadiums, um, whether it's Phillips Arena or the Congress Center where we have our fan fests or to Mercedes-Benz Stadium now. Um yeah, we're just very, very blessed to have that. So what you try and do is take all those assets, put them in a bowl, and that becomes the recipe to go out and bid for major sporting events. And whether we were at the Atlanta Sports Council or at the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl um, or the Naismith Awards um, or the Dodd Trophy, we've tried to, to use all that uh, to our benefit to uh, bring events here or to host events. And it's wound up being a very... Uh, successful recipe and in, in looking at you know like you said the successful recipe that you've had to to look from the kickoff game to the peach bowl game itself this season has been very interesting in college football to say the least and and what i mean by that is the fact that i was down there at the chick-fil-a kickoff game and covering that game and and, and enjoying my time down there in atlanta georgia and mercedes-benz stadium with two teams that I expected to push the hell out of each other until the bitter end with Alabama and Florida State. And Alabama pushed it like hell, and Florida State kind of poked with their pinky here and there. But, I mean, it was, an, it was, the, it was the third-ranked team in the nation all the way to where they fell this year with their 5-6. and six. They lost a game due to the hurricane. They got Louisiana Monroe to come in and play them for God knows how much money to make sure that they had another crack at getting to a bowl game, and they will be in a bowl game, and they'll do it without Jimbo Fisher. But, you know, it, it's it's so interesting to me how we started with number one Alabama, number three Florida State, and now the Peach Bowl is going to have the only undefeated team in America in UCF, which nobody would have said that at the beginning of the year. And Auburn, who's three losses, but maybe the best three-loss team in the country. So, and a very dangerous team. So, just, I, I want to start with the beginning to now. Did you ever think, just thinking Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A kickoff game to the Peach Bowl, that Alabama and Florida State would do what they did this year, that Alabama would have a blemish, that Florida State would fall, and, you know, that where we stand today, UCF is undefeated, and Auburn was left out of the college football playoff, yet it was great for you. I mean, it's there's been a lot that's happened in just, just uh, what, 14 weeks of time. It really is, Dan. I think this will go down as one of the most interesting, uh, different, uh, incredible, unbelievable college football seasons. When you, when you talk everything from starting out with having the greatest opener of all time in college football history with number one against number three, and number three – uh, you know, winds up losing its quarterback, which goes to show the premium on quarterbacks and, and you know, offense and defensive lines really are the key to college football right now. Uh, when you lose a quarterback like Florida State did and you have to go with a true freshman, you know, it's very, very difficult to win in, in big-time football. Um, and their offensive line wasn't great. 
So, um, but I, on the other side of that, I don't think Alabama at the end of the year got enough credit for beating Florida State, who, although they finished six and six at that time, was ranked number three in the country, and everybody had expectations they'd win the ACC because they had Clemson coming to Florida State that year. And I believe if Francois would have stayed healthy and not got hurt in that game in the fourth quarter, I think it would have been different for Florida State. But Alabama didn't get credit for that win uh, at the end of the year. So that that was kind of interesting. And then with all the – now when you talk about, you know, what uh, Coach Frost has done, he's basically taken a team that was 0-12, that had 51 kids that were on that 0-12 team, to six to seven and six and now to 12 and zero, um and those same 51 kids are, are on that team that are now 12 and 0 that were 0 and 12 that's an amazing coaching job um and has the only undefeated team in the country and will be playing in the 50th anniversary of the chick-fil-a peach bowl uh and has won the home depot coach of the year so then he moves on to nebraska and then you've got all the coaching changes that went on uh, and still going on right now. And then the amount of money being paid to the coaches. And then you, you look at Auburn. Auburn's the only team in college football history that's beaten two number ones in the same year. And, uh, you know, is ranked in the top seven. So with three losses, uh, anybody else that had three losses, they're ranked, you know, somewhere 14, 15, 16, et cetera. So, um, and if, you know, unfortunately Auburn, as, as you could see with injuries with carry on Johnson really struggled in the sec championship game because of it. But the two weeks before they beat Georgia when they were number one and they beat Alabama when they were number one. So we're really excited about our game. Uh, UCF has sold all its allotment of tickets out already. Auburn will sell out probably by Monday and we'll have our 18th, uh, sellout, uh, in the last 20 years. Uh, and have a, a great game on January 1st, uh, 1230 on, on ESPN. Spain here with Peach Bowl Inc. President and CEO Gary Stoke. And Gary, to to look at the fact that there's been so, and like you, you had mentioned, so much change. You and I are at the UCF Memphis game. We're standing there in the press box. We're watching the game. The game ends. Scott Frost is emotional. He hoists the trophy. He does a post-game press conference. I speak with him there. I go upstairs. I write a story. Less than an hour goes by. I'm back downstairs. The AD Danny White of UCF. Hey, guess what? Scott's gone. He went to Nebraska. <laughs> the world. You've been around football for such a long time. The world of of college football. Is that insane to you? I mean, is it has it become status quo, or is it strange to you that you could see a coach? That's that's on the field. That's crying. That's emotional. That's 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 at a press conference with his players, and that less than an hour that this team has gotten to celebrate this thing, he's on a plane heading to Nebraska, and they're trying to figure out the future. Yeah, it's 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 a very different situation in college football now, and we've got to be careful that um, you know we're we're starting to act a little bit like pro football too much for me um you know you you're starting to see people fire coaches in the middle of the season um you're starting to see the dollars get to astronomical figures uh along with buyouts 
Um, you know, we, we've got to be careful. The, the signing date now has moved up to December 20th. So that's caused some of this because, you know, in the case of Scott Frost in Nebraska, they're saying, okay, we want you to be our coach. We know you have an undefeated team. We know you want to coach in the bowl game. But if we're going to hire you, we need you out recruiting to sign the kids that were committed here so that we don't lose a whole recruiting class uh, because the early signing date is December 20th. So, you know, the coach is in a difficult position. He doesn't want to leave the team, but he has, it is a business and he has to do what's right for him and his family. Uh, it's his dream job. It's his team that he played for where he graduated. Um, but in that case, it's a, it's a very difficult situation. And some of the other situations going on, whether it's Tennessee, Florida State, uh, you know, Texas A&M, uh, there, there's some, some stuff going on that probably isn't, you know, has never been seen before. And uh, that's what made this, the, this season so interesting, uh, questionable, uh, just changing the, the paradigm, so to speak. And Gary, when you're overseeing a bowl game, and not just any bowl game, there's 38 bowl games outside of what's inside of the college football playoff each year. <laughs> so we're talking about 40 different opportunities and then 41 when you count the championship game. There's so many different places for people to play. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl has been one of those special marquee games. It's been one of those games, one of those January games that people fight for, that if you're not going to make the college football playoff in a year that's, that the Peach Bowl is out of rotation, you want to go to the Peach Bowl. That's one of the games that if you're not going to be in the top four, you want to be there. If you are going to be in the top four, Peach Bowl is in there, then it holds that same weight and even more so. So when you have this opportunity of inviting teams and, and figuring out the best situation, the best case scenario, UCF coming in and playing Auburn, when a coach accepts a job elsewhere – Nine times out of ten, it's very atypical that they're going to coach the team that they left. But what does that do to play into decision-making of of somebody coming there? I mean, as, as the Peach Bowl, I'm more than sure that if you're going to have UCF there, you want Scott Frost to be there. So speak to this year about, you know, kind of the dicey situation of typically you don't see a coach that has already left jump ship and, and gone somewhere else. But for you, the market value and, and, you know, selling this game to the biggest crowd is, is obviously to have Scott Frost there. Well, there's, there's so many interesting dynamics going on at one time, because even Nebraska, AD Bill Moose said, you know, this will be great for us because here's Scott playing in a new year's six bowl game on ESPN on January 1st. And, we're sure that the ESPN announcers are going to talk to Scott and build up Nebraska because he is now Nebraska's coach. And meanwhile, he'll be coaching UCF because he wants to coach and Danny White, the AD has worked that out uh, because he wants to finish the year with his players who've gone 12 and 0 and hopefully finish undefeated in a new year six bowl game. So January 1st. So there's that interesting thing going on. And then you've got the whole players dynamic uh, going on as well as the assistant coaches who stays, who goes. They've just announced Josh Heupel uh, is the new coach. Uh, so they really have three coaches. Uh, Troy Roy Walters, their offensive coordinator, is the interim coach. 
Scott Frost is going to coach the bowl game, but he's head coach in Nebraska. And Josh Heupel is the in, incoming coach. So I don't know if we've ever seen anything like that. But uh, in our case, obviously, being a part of the New Year's Six and the CFP, where we rotate to semifinals every three years with the Rose, the Sugar, the Cotton, the Orange, and the Fiesta, we don't select our teams. The College Football Playoff Selection Committee places teams in our in our games. Um, this year, the Rose and the Sugar host the semis. Last year, us and the Fiesta did. And, um, you know, we typically get two top 12 teams like we did this year until it's the semis. And then we either get number one against number four. Like last year's game, we had Alabama versus Washington. Um, which, by the way, think about this as a college football fan. And it's one of the reasons why we claim Atlanta's college football capital. A fan in Atlanta could have seen just in one year, number one against number four, Alabama, Washington in the semis last year, number one against three, Alabama, Florida state to start the season, the sec championship with number two against number six, Georgia and Auburn, uh, the Chick-fil-A peach bowl, number seven against number 12, and then end that year of college football, uh, from December to January with this year's national championship game, January 8th, of number one against number two. So we've had either number one, number two, or number three play in, let's see, one, two, three, four of the six games that we've had uh, in college football this year. Um, A quarter of a billion dollars will go through Atlanta in economic impact just from college football. That translates to about $50 million in direct tax revenue. And in the fourth largest convention town in the United States, which Atlanta is behind Orlando, Chicago, and Las Vegas, we will have five of the top six convention slash events will be college football games. That's how important college football is to Atlanta. And to see that, you know, like you said, to to be everything that that Atlanta has been, you know, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and everything that that's been able to offer to all of these games that people are going to be able to see. And like you said, you don't you don't get to choose who's going to come in. The committee chooses that. Just what you could say about that side of it. You know, when you're not in the rotation, when you're outside of the the top 4 from year to year where you're not going to have the college football playoff, but you're going to, you know, you're going to be playing uh, outside of that realm and, and somebody has to be chosen to play there. Do you have any say at all? I mean, do you speak to the committee at all? Because the committee, as much as they're doing the top four in the college football playoff, a bowl like yours that, that is in this rotation, they still have to figure that out while they're figuring out the top four. So do you have any say or is it kind of just, you know, you're at the mercy of, of hoping to pull a good game? I think this year you're going to have one of the best bowls out there, in, in my personal opinion, because of what Auburn's been able to do and because, you know, I've covered UCF since day zero when it comes to, you know, this season and the American starting four years ago. So, I mean, what, what can you say to how much involvement you get to have, even if it's just an email saying, hey, these are my thoughts? Do you get to do any of that? Yeah, it's interesting. I, uh, when we joined the CFP college football playoff in uh, 2013, I believe, uh, the first year I called Bill Hancock. I said, Bill, so, you know, we've selected for 17 straight years here. 
you know, we're not selecting this year. The college football playoff selection committee will place teams in our game. Are you going to call me Sunday morning and let me know who we have? Or he said, Gary, he said, you will find out when the rest of America finds out on ESPN. <laughs> and so like, just like the uh, teams do and the NCAA basketball tournament where they all congregate and watch the TV. Uh, now in football, they do that in college football. That's what our staff and our board and our uh, volunteers did. We watched in our office and found out that we had Ole Miss and, and TCU. Uh, so, yeah, we have no say. We, we uh, don't have a presentation to the committee or anything. The committee will uh, place the four teams, one through four. And then in this case, this year, the Orange Bowl, which has a contract with the ACC, uh, their committee selected Miami, and then they have to select uh, either from Notre Dame, the Big Ten, or the uh, SEC, uh, a team that is not a conference champion. So they had the first choice. They took Wisconsin, who had lost to Ohio State, and then it went back to the selection committee, and the selection committee placed the Fiesta Bowl, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, and the Cotton Bowl teams, and that's the way it works. So to see your draw, to see what you got, speaking here with Gary Stoken, President and CEO of Peach Bowl, Inc., before I let you go, to look at this matchup, you were on hand to see UCF in a, in a double overtime, thrilling victory, huge win for UCF. Now, this is a team, and I think it's funny that people say that they don't play defense at all because they play defense all the way up into the last couple weeks. It's It's been shootouts with South Florida and, and a shootout with Memphis, and you know South Florida's offense played up for that game where Memphis's offense – if, if it wasn't for UCF, everybody would be talking about Memphis having the best offense in the American Athletic Conference, in my opinion. So you get UCF on one side, an undefeated team who has been disrespected, who has a chip on their shoulder because they want to be in the college football playoff, because they believe that the American is a tough conference, because they believe they've done enough to prove themselves. So you have a team there that's got fire in their belly, and then you have a team on the other side in Auburn who's got fire in theirs for different reasons. They're saying, listen, we beat Georgia this year even though we lost in the SEC championship. We're the only team that put you know a little scar on the face of Alabama, so how dare you? So you have two teams that have chips on their shoulders that are playing up against each other. How excited are you for this? And what can you say about the two teams that, that you drew in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl? Because I think you know for any year, you've had good games in the past, but... You know, this is a this is probably, in my opinion, uh, you know, you look at the college football playoff. This may be, you know, the best matchup outside of that thing. Well, if you think about uh, the, the the matchup, you've got a number one scoring team in the country in, in UCF, and you have the number uh, the top ten scoring team in uh, defense in Auburn. Auburn, the most points they've given up is twenty eight. The lowest number of points that UCF has scored this season is thirty one. So something has to give. Something has to happen here. And, you know, uh, Auburn doesn't get credit for the schedule they played. They have played three of the top four in this year's college football playoff. They went to Clemson, lost a close game, 16-7. They, they uh, beat Alabama, number four, and they beat Georgia when they were number one, and they lost to Georgia when they were number six. So they're two and two against the top four teams in the country. No one's played that difficult a schedule, uh, and they beat two of the teams in the top four. So uh, Auburn is an incredible team. 
that you know was seven and one in the SEC West, which is incredible enough, and won the division. So um, yeah, Auburn is a tremendous team that uh, uh, you know we think we've got, as you said, the, one of the best matchups in college football. I know it's been ranked fourth only behind the two semis and I think the Ohio State USC game so yeah we're looking forward to a sellout our 50th anniversary um, you know a wonderful matchup um, between uh, and, and Auburn's got a great offense too so there, I think there'll be some scoring and uh, it's just going to be a great uh, way to lead into the semis of the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl on January 1st. Yeah coming from Gary Stoke and Peach Bowl Inc president and CEO Gary I'd love to have you back on right before this game happens so hopefully we can plan a time to do that i thank you in your busy schedule for taking some time today and and as always you know i appreciate you as a person so thank you for your time oh dan always glad to be with you and it was good to see you last week and uh go get one of those damn tatora sandwiches and eat one on <laughs> me brother yeah and have a chick-fil-a sandwich ready for me when i get down to atlanta <laughs> you got it you got it dan have a merry christmas you too god bless i'll talk to you soon all right Take care. That coming from Gary Stoke at Peach Bowl, Inc., president and CEO. Always a pleasure to have on the show. We have run a little bit uh, behind in schedule here. We're getting Papa Joe's picks on next. Papa Joe, I know, is very, very excited about this opportunity. We have so much to talk about. College football coaching carousel, so many things going on. Is anybody going to coach Tennessee? They say Pruitt, but Jesus knows the times have... <laughs> Everybody who's supposed to coach Tennessee decides not to coach Tennessee. I put up a bunch of poll questions yesterday. You Tennessee fans, you responded in a massive way to one of the polls. We're going to discuss that in just a moment. Papa Joe's picks coming up. So much to talk about. College football playoff. You you just gotta you gotta hold tight in that seat. Put a seatbelt on because we're gonna be we're gonna be doing donuts here. This is Tokyo Drift. Papa Joe's picks coming up in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Hey, wake-up call listeners. This is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after-work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitale, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit, or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse, next to the Ponderosa Plaza, where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. 
For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Satora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We're here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. And for you all to know, yes, the Dan Satora special is available every day, and yes, the president and CEO of the Chick of Peach Bowl Inc. that oversees the Chick Fil A kickoff game and the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl and has the national championship and everything this year. Yeah, he's the guy that just promoted my sandwich on air. So that's pretty awesome. So shout out to Tony and Elaine, NBC, and for all that they do at the Market Diner. And they got a shout out. The only problem is I have to buy his sandwich when he comes into town, and he he said that on air live. So I guess I gotta take care of business. But you know what? I think Gary's worth about seven hundred of the. Dancatora special sandwiches. So I got his back and we'll take care of business. At this point in the morning menu for today's broadcast, it's Papa Joe's picks. We're starting a little bit behind here. We're happy to have you. We're going to pack a lot into this segment with Papa Joe. And it, the, the I said it's going to be the Tokyo Drift segment here. Now, now the funny thing is that uh, as we were coming back, you heard you might have heard Papa Joe go, they're awful or they're terrible. So kind of a little segue into Tennessee and, and all we're going to talk about with, uh, with the Tennessee volunteers. And if anybody will volunteer to coach the team, it is time for Papa Joe's picks. And we are here with you. The college football playoff, the Bulls have been set 38 bowl games and the college football playoff, which turns into 41 different games out of 130 schools, 80 schools make it into the postseason. There's so much to discuss and the coaching carousel. I can't believe that it's only been a week that Papa Joe and I need to speak. Scott Frost in Nebraska. We got to talk about how Tennessee's had 47 different coaches coach and then not. I think I think that they hold the record for a coach that had the shortest time in a seat, which is Greg Schiano, who had the memorandum of understanding and in 24 hours was told, why don't you go ahead and just not come here. Let's just rip up this contract like it never happened, sir. Mike Leach, everybody connected to the job. I, I put up a Dave Doran poll, and you Tennessee fans, man, you are you are ruth, ruthless with, with some of the coaches out there and could be making it a little bit difficult. you got to be nice now. Put your pitchforks down, put the torches down, and let somebody come coach your team, or you might have you might have a team that's just a, you know a bunch of players running the show themselves if you can't get anybody there. Now, this morning, allegedly, there's going to be a head coach announced for Tennessee, but I hold my breath because I've heard that at least two or three times in the last week or so. Papa Joe, I'm happy to have you here. We're Tokyo drifting this thing. Tennessee is is a, is a barrel of crazy. The only thing worse than the pickup line, are you from Tennessee because you're the only 10 I see? Is the Tennessee Volunteers football coaching? So what do you, what can you say about the fact that a pickup line that is atrocious 
is better off than maybe they should use the pickup line to get somebody there because I don't think anybody wants to coach there. No, you're right. Uh, that is, that's pretty clever. Uh, <laughs> of course, they actually moved in the right position by uh, bringing back Coach Former to uh, be the AD. I think uh, he's going to go a long way in sort of stabilizing that area up there and certainly the school and the, the alumni. You know, alumni, they, they, have, they have short fuses. You know, they just don't, you know, Tennessee's been floundering for so long uh, that they, they're just upset and they're, they, want to, they want something to be done about it. So they bring back Coach Fulmer. He's a class guy, uh, winning percentage. You know, he adjusted well to the students, the kids. He recruits well and everything. Uh, I think that he's going to go a long way uh, to stabilize uh, the fan base. Although I do question uh, their motives, the Tennessee's administration. They only gave Coach Fulmer a two-year deal. Now, whether that was Coach Fulmer's idea or the administration's, I'm not sure. So, with that being said, uh, if it's for two years, you can look for him to, like I say, stabilize it, bring in a good coach of repute, good repute, not a Coach Shiano, which is terrible anyway. He should be there coaching. But I'm sure Coach Fulmer's got the people lined up. Got to be an offensive line uh, coach, too. So, that's what I feel on that. I think Coach Fulmer's going to do the right thing here this morning. Now, and the crazy thing about this is Alabama allegedly, allegedly might be losing their defensive coordinator, not until after the college football playoff, but allegedly, and I have to say allegedly because there was Greg Schiano and Mike Leach and Dave Doran's name was thrown, everybody and their mother's name was thrown in this thing. Uh, John John Gruden's name was thrown, thrown in here as well. So, allegedly, there's going to be the potential of Jeremy Pruitt leaving Alabama as a defensive coordinator to become the head coach of Tennessee. Now, this to me would be pretty insane because if I'm from Alabama, I'm the upper echelon, right? I'm the darling. I'm the girl at the ball with the most beautiful dress. So why would I want to go to the team that's, you know, if you want to take a Cinderella approach to this thing, if I'm Cinderella... Why am I going to, am I going to get inside of the carriage that's going to turn into a pumpkin or am I going to stay at the party that I'm at? Tennessee has, has been, I mean, we talk about the wheels falling off the carriage. I mean, they fell off a long time ago. This is, you know, and I mean, no disrespect to the Tennessee fan base. I'm stating an obvious fact. This is an embarrassment. This is one of the craziest, wildest coaching carousels that I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, we've heard at least two names that were going to take the job, not take the job or not be given the job. So I hold my breath on Jeremy Pruitt, but if you're Pruitt, would you not say thank you, but no, thank you. Um, coach Pruitt's got a long uh, history of uh, good coaching. Of course, there's so many coaches that have come from coach Saban's tree, coaching tree. Uh, you can probably add him to it. Um, you know, I would think that he's going to maybe take this job because, number one, uh, he'll, he won't have to play Alabama because Tennessee's in the East Division, Alabama's in the West. Every once in a while, maybe he'll have a game. If they're really, really good, maybe they'll play him in the, the, the conference championship. But, you know, he's, he's a strong guy, uh, good recruiter, know a lot about him down here in the Southeast, a class guy. He'll probably take the job only because he doesn't have to play Alabama every year. I mean, in having that opportunity to not have to play 
Alabama every single season. There's obviously a positive to that, but you know, what's happening in Tennessee is something that, you know, I I mean, I know they're not going to a bowl game. I know they had a terrible year, so they don't have to worry about that, but is it getting out of hand right now? with firing coaches. I mean, the thing that Tennessee did is they they fired their coach in the middle of the season, but there was no backup plan. And we've obviously seen that they they had no plan in place. They had nobody who had a handshake deal, or, or at least if they did, the handshake wasn't honored. Tennessee, it, Tennessee's front and center in the spotlight on what's legitimately potentially the worst coaching search ever in the history of mankind of college football but does it not open up Pandora's box that firing a coach in the middle of the season even if you're having a bad season can almost cause you to do even worse oh certainly it's wrong uh everything's wrong about it they've done everything from top to bottom wrong um of course along with the coach the AD gets fired so now it's even worse and now you got to bring in someone like Fulmer to right the ship um, you know, dollars, dollars speak, Daniel, dollars speak. Tennessee has a huge, huge fan base. They have a huge stadium, Neyland Stadium, probably 100,000 people, and you got to fill it. And you've got to bring in a, a name rep. you got to bring in someone who's from a good coaching tree, like I said, with, with Coach Saban. Uh, the difference between Tennessee and, and Florida, say, my school, uh, is that they had, a, they had a plan in place. They were only talking to three coaches, and your man Frost was one of them, of course. And they settled on on uh, Coach Mullen. Now, Coach Mullen knew he was going to take this job long before there was a problem. That that I can say certainly. So Tennessee, they did everything wrong. No backup plan. Uh, leaving everything out in the lurch. The recruits are don't know what to do. You know, uh, it's terrible. It's terrible. But I'm sure that Coach Fulman is going to write the ship and, and put in someone who's strong. If Coach Pruitt's going to be the man, so be it. Outside of that, the speaking here with Papa Joe and myself, Dan Satori, inside of Papa Joe's Picks, and discussing college football here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satori, live on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. Papa Joe, I was on site for the UCF game. I've spoken about it here. It was one of the craziest turn of events. I mean, I'm not going to lie to people. I felt emotion. You know, I'm not a player at UCF. I'm not a coach at UCF. I'm, I'm not somebody who, you know, was out there in the stands wearing a UCF jersey. But I will tell you that there were tears in the eyes, and, and, and I was emotional because I have gotten to know Scott Frost over the last couple of years. And it was, it was a very, very strange occurrence showing the sign of the times that I'm – at the game and they come back and they win in double overtime and there's excitement throughout the entire game. Nebraska fans are saying that they got this new coach and he's great and nobody's respecting the game that's being played. And he shows up to the game wearing a red and white checkered shirt. So everybody's freaking out at the end of the game. He's crying. He's emotional. He's red in the face. I interview him at the post game press conference. I go upstairs I start writing a Scott Frost story because that gut feeling is there, and they tell us in less than an hour, if you'd like to come downstairs to listen to the AD, Danny White, he's got something to say. And less than an hour after I saw Scott Frost celebrating with his team, he was gone in Nebraska, and Danny White is trying to find a new coach. I, 
the world that we live in today, I would have to say, I know that coaching changes have happened, but I don't know how to adequately describe perfectly the the palpable emotion in a building when you win your first ever conference championship, you're undefeated, the entire place is rocking, it's double overtime, you celebrate with your fans, and then you're gone. Wow. You know, you and I were texting that afternoon uh, quite a bit, and there were so many games to watch, and I was watching Lane Kiffin and FAU and some other some other game, too, along with UCF. And the more I kept flicking, the more I wanted to stay on this game. And if I if I came back after a couple of minutes, someone scored a touchdown. So I'm mad at myself because I missed a touchdown. So I stayed for the whole game and watched an incredible game. Um, Coach, Coach Frost is blessed. Uh, he had a bunch of kids that absolutely adored him, respected him, and played their guts out for him. And to watch him go through the end of the game interview with his face clearly crying. Uh, but he didn't address he didn't address the rumors. He says, "Listen, I got to go celebrate with my team." Now that's a class guy. But with that being said, he he accepted that job, Daniel, a long before that game started. You know, they had this thing in place too. You know, uh, UCF is strong. I, I can't tell you how enjoyed uh, enjoying it was watching UCF play football. And their quarterback was unbelievable. They got a great system down there, and he just. He, 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 everything came together for him this year, and he deserves to be the coach at, at Alabama, or I mean at Nebraska, because he's going to get $5 million a year. So, you know, even it's alma mater, $5 million a year. Again, Nebraska, huge fan base. They, they, they breed some big guys down there to play offensive line. You know, big guys. So, he's going to impose his system on that uh, on that uh, team, and it's it's going to be wonderful to watch. Uh, although we're probably not going to see Nebraska too much on television, but I'd be curious to find out how he's doing with recruiting and everything. Yeah, Nebraska, he takes over. You know, he took over an 0-12 team, made him 12-0 in conference champions and divisional champions, and they're playing in a huge game in the Peach Bowl, and you just heard from Peach Bowl Inc. President and CEO Gary Stoken about that game. And who was on site with me at, at the UCF Memphis game? So I mean, you, you have 0 and 12 to 12 and 0, and a huge bowl game, and now he's taken over a 4 and 8 Nebraska team in the basement of the Big Ten to try and push them forward. And Nebraska hasn't been relevant in a long time, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Papa Joe, you and I have discussed this. I want to get your opinion on, on this uh, and and to share it with everybody because this is something that's that's been looming in the background for me and I feel like it needs to be brought to the foreground. The level of disrespect for the American Athletic Conference that I've covered since its institution, been covering it before it even had a name or a logo, to look at the fact that this team is 12-0, and the only undefeated team out of 130 teams in the country. Alabama didn't play a tough schedule this year. Wisconsin didn't play a tough schedule this year. And yet there's this BS that UCF didn't play anybody. Only undefeated team in the nation. They don't make it into the college football playoff. Does that play into it in your mind? Does Scott Frost, I mean, I know Nebraska's got heartstrings, and I know that UCF had heartstrings he maybe thought, you know, that he wasn't going to have there. But do you look at this decision by Scott Frost and say, not just him, but any coach in the American, 
might might look at a situation like the Scott Frost situation and say, even when we're perfect, we're not giving an opportunity. So does the college football playoff committee this year, did, did they or could they in the future make coaches leave the American because of their lack of respect for them? Yes, true. Uh, clearly, clearly, uh, their conference was much, much, much better than people across the, the country gave them credit for. And, of course, UCF, uh, South Florida, Memphis, you know, great football to watch. Um, you know, Coach Frost is the South in the South, sir. He knows what's happening with recruiting. He knows how to coach, obviously. He's an offensive coach. I think what you're going to see when you when he goes to Nebraska uh, is that you're going to see him bring a lot of speed up there. Uh, speed wins. Now, with that being said, with UCF, of course, he's not going to be there. He will be there for his coach. But the conference itself uh, is going to be on the clock. Because if UCF can stay with Auburn, they've arrived. And I think the, the committee's got to see that and perhaps maybe change it to a six- or eight-game eight uh, schedule for the end of the, the, end of the season. Uh, UCF has got a lot to play for. They're going to play for themselves, Coach Frost, the AD, the fans, and, of course, their conference. Um, I, think, I think that says it all right there, Daniel. I think uh, if, if they could beat Auburn or even stay with them, I think this is going to go a long way in proving to the, to the administrators of the, of the bowl committee that there indeed should be more than four, four teams playing. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I almost feel like going off of what you said, Papa Joe, I, I, I look at this opportunity that I, I almost feel like because the, co- the college football playoff committee picks this game, and that's what Gary Stoken was saying. He's like, we don't have any choice. We find out like everybody else. I almost feel like the college football playoff committee is using this game as a test. And they're saying, okay, UCF, if you and this conference are that damn good, beat Auburn and we'll consider this conference next year. I almost feel like this is kind of like they're opening a window, a crack to see how, how the conference responds. And I mean, it's a terrible situation because you have Scott Frost, who's coaching, and then Josh Heupel, who's in there, who's not coaching, but he's the new coach. And Troy Walters was the interim, but now he's not going to be coaching because Scott's going to be in. You have three coaches, all these cooks in the kitchen. I hope it doesn't negatively affect how UCF plays because for everything they did this year, they deserve to play their hearts out in this game and to show that they could do it. But I think this is the college football playoff committee putting them on alert and saying, if you are that good, prove it to us on, you know, prove it to us in this game when you face off against Auburn on January 1st. We want to see it. You're, you're correct. Uh, I think one thing we got to look for it with this game is that UCF plays fast. Uh, that's Scott Frost likes to play fast. He's got a lot of speed also. Uh, but what he's going to find when he faces Auburn is that Auburn is bigger and faster than the teams that he's played before. And, again, I mentioned earlier, if he can stay with Auburn, it's going to go a long way in really, really helping the conference. The speed of the game has picked up so much, you're seeing speed throughout the country now. Uh, you know, you're not drafting six foot five, two 205-pound line, linebackers anymore. You're drafting a kid that's 6'2", 230, that can fly around the ball. Speed eventually will take over the entire country, and Scott Frost is going to do that when he moves up to Nebraska. And you can, you can see the speed 
Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be a good game. It's just the circumstances are really sad. But, you know, to, to look, and that brings up another question. Should a coach be able to leave the team that he's on? <clears throat> Pardon me. Should a coach be able to leave the team that he is on before the season is over, before they play their bowl game? Should a coach be able to leave before his season is officially over? Wow, that's a good question. Um, well, in his case, uh, yes, I think he needs to be there. He needs to finish what he's, he started. Um, you know, for the other coaches, uh, they're going to sign their dollar contract. They're going to forget about it. They, they probably already moved out of their offices, wherever they are around the country. Just this last week, I think, three or four positions have already been filled, including Willie Taggart at FSU. And believe me, they're not going to they're not going to be waiting around for anyone. I think Taggart's Oregon uh, team is seven and five. They're going to go to a bowl. I don't know where. Uh, I, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, he's not going to hang around. No one's going to hang around. Scott Frost has a reason to hang around, and he will. And I, I think it definitely shows his character. And I honestly do believe that this was a tough decision for him. Yep. Yep. You're exactly right. So as we move on here in Papa Joe's picks discussing college football, I I know Papa Joe loves when I put the polls up, and I love how wonderfully you guys respond on Twitter to everyone, to every man, woman, child that has taken a second to click on any of these polls. Thank you so much for following me on Twitter. Appreciate it, at CallDT, that's C-A-L-L-D-T. And I'm going to read off the, the polls that I have up. I have four of them. So I, I asked this one in Papa Joe. I'm sure this will make you laugh. Tennessee fans, would you like to see NC State Dave Doran, NC State's head coach Dave Doran as your head coach? 92 votes. 93% of people, no. 7% said yes. And I was like, Tennessee, maybe this is the problem because you hate everybody. But, you know, Tennessee, <laughs> they, they said that Dave Doran, who, mind you, if he had defeated Clemson in the head-to-head game, would have played for the ACC championship most likely, and Clemson wouldn't be in the college football playoff. I'm just saying, and they've played them to the wire two years in a row. Tennessee does not want the coach, Tennessee fans does not want the coach at NC State who has come to the precipice of spanking Clemson two years in a row and are very, very close to doing it. A team that was obscure that people didn't even know about under Dave Dorn in the last five years has been an up-and-coming program, and 93% of Tennessee fans said, leave them in NC State. What do you think about that? Well, Dave Dorn's an exceptional coach. I don't I don't understand how those people think up there in the mountains, Daniel. Maybe they're drinking a little bit too much moonshine or something like that. But uh, uh, Dave Dorn is his, his class. Now, if, even if he goes to Tennessee, you know, two different leagues. I mean, what, what what's the big deal? I mean, you're not going to play NC State ever. So you get a coach of Dorn's quality, you got to lock him up. Now, I don't know what's going to happen here this morning, or you have something to add to that. I don't. Uh, I just don't understand how they think up there. I know that I know they, they they had they're very impatient. I know that, and most schools are impatient, including Florida State. I mean, Willie Taggart's a big time hire, but I tell you what, he's on a short leash, and those Bubbas down there need to win. They need to win, win, win. Coach Dorn is being. Uh, I think Coach Dorn needs to go there. So that you know, that's one of the polls that was up, and and Dave Doran uh, has since signed his extension to stay. Yeah 
at, at NC State, and you know he shut the door on that. But th- this is the thing that I don't like. So to go off of that, because like you said, Papa Joe, listen, he's a good coach, so why not go there? NC State fans yesterday went on social media and went insane and said, Dave, if you don't want to be here, we don't need you. And his own fan base was like, he's not a good coach. Who cares about him? Get rid of him. He's a piece of garbage. Not every fan, but I was reading messages about about NC State and Dave Doran and people saying, go ahead and look elsewhere. Who needs you? There is net. I, w- I would love for somebody to name a coach at NC State before Dave Doran. I would love for somebody to tell me who was good back then, who was going to the wire with Clemson, who if they made a field goal two years ago, or if the guy didn't drop the touch, they were two mistakes. Clemson was going down to NC State two years ago. They missed a field goal from like 30 yards away. This past season, this season, 38-31, they lose. The guy drops the touchdown on the goal line. So it's not like this is a terrible team, and it's not like they didn't have a shot at the end of both of the games. But what do you think about NC State's fan base, some of them, not all of them, saying, good riddance, get out of here. I mean, the guy just did what any other coach would do, which was see what his value is elsewhere. And there are people at NC State legitimately telling this coach, we don't want you here when he's the only coach that's ever made them relevant. Uh, Again, I can't understand that either. Uh, NC State beat FSU at FSU's home. And uh, I, I think they have, they're very narrow-minded here. Uh, and I think what we're seeing uh, is impatience. I mentioned that earlier. But these fan bases are spoiled. You know, they want every year to be 8-3 and three and 92. They want to play for a conference championship every year. They want to have the best recruiting class. They want to go to a bowl game on New Year's Day. This, 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 and this. Well, if, if y'all are spoiled, then you need to do something else. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh I realize that money money talks, and I'm glad Coach Doran signed that extension. I didn't realize that, but he deserves it. He deserves it. But the fan bases are spoiled, and the, the coach that uh, Coach Fulmer is going to bring in is also going to be on a short leash, too. He may give him a year or two to build up a recruiting class and uh, you know put a style on a team. But, man, in the SEC and in the ACC, you got to win, baby, win. Absolutely. And before we wrap things up here, I want to get to some of the other polls that I had. Uh, I said, what American Athletic Conference coach move most surprised you? So who from the American Athletic most surprised you? Is it A, Mike Norvell staying with Memphis, B, Chad Morris leaving SMU to go to Arkansas, or C, Josh Heupel being hired to UCF? Before I tell you what the votes are at right now, what it would be your most shocking one? Uh, the Memphis coach. The Memphis coach staying. Uh, you know, Memphis is a good program. Uh, uh, I don't know where they're going to go. I don't. They're certainly not going to go any higher. Uh, they're not going to go to another conference at higher. Uh, I think Norvell staying at Memphis uh, shows a lot. He's probably got a raise. I don't know how much he's going to he's going to make though. But Memphis opened some eyes this year, and they can score some points. And as you know, watching that, that UCF and Memphis game. Uh, you know that Norville's a good coach. That 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 be the one that surprises me. Absolutely, and, and this one with Mike Norvell, it was uh, with six hours left to voting. Fifty-five percent said it was Mike Norvell was most surprising him staying. Twenty-four percent was Chad Morris to Arkansas, and Josh Heupel to UCF was twenty-one percent. Probably because Josh Heupel's name wasn't brought up and he was under the radar. Uh, if Tennessee's football program called you to coach the team right now. 
following Greg Schiano and Mike Leach sagas, what would you do? Say yes, say no, or just hang up. What would you do, Papa Joe? <laughs> hang up! <laughs> <laughs> well, 10% of the people said they would say no. 68% shockingly said they would say yes. And 22% of you said, I'm hanging that damn phone up. Tell these people to stop getting my number. Where'd they get my number from? So treat them like a telemarketer and hang up. The uh, the, the next poll I just put up was, uh, would you like Alabama defensive coordinator Jeremy Pruitt to become your new Tennessee head coach? This was for Tennessee fans. 77% of you said yes. 23% of you have said no. So, you know, the, a little more love for Jeremy Pruitt than Dave Doran. But at this point, I'm going to say something to Tennessee. Listen, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. I respect y'all. Beggars cannot be choosers. You're going to have to make a phone call to, you know, I mean, I, I at this point, Austin Powers, maybe he's available. You know, maybe he could shoot a movie. I don't know. At the, for Tennessee, in my mind right now, Tennessee's going to have to start calling, you know, well, well this is really funny. Lane Kiffin, who has been completely making a joke of this Tennessee thing like crazy, he had a picture of Kim Jong-un wearing a Tennessee jacket, and he said even Kim Jong-un turned down negotiations to take the job, and I thought that that was great. Boy, he's a funny guy. He's, uh, you know, I don't know how we worked for Saban uh, for so long. I mean, Saban is so straight-laced all the time, and, you know, Kiffin, all he does is break balls the whole time. I mean, he's just a, he's a funny guy, heck of a coach. I'm really surprised that he, we haven't read more about him, uh, you know, looking for other work. But I think he's going to commit beat there, and uh, if he wins this bowl game, I think they're playing Akron. I think that's a, I think he'll win that easily. Um, it's tough. It's a tough racket, Daniel. It's a real tough racket. And people just, the, the fan base don't have a, a, a they're not very patient. And as I said earlier about Coach Taggart coming from Oregon, he'll get acclimated really, really quick. The only thing that Coach Taggart's got on his uh, plate is that he's a real good recruiter. He's recruited uh, uh, South Florida before, uh, and he's going to be a heck, he's going to be a heck of a coach for FSU. I hate to say that, but uh, I, I think I think they're going to keep beating us until we find our we write our own ship at Florida. And I mean, just in closing here, FAU, what do you think about the fact that, you know, I was down there at the kitchen table with you writing, writing my story with you and Miss Mary about Lane Kiffin taking the job at FAU. And I, and I put out a poll. I was like, how many people think he's going to last one day, one month, one year? I mean, he is down there and, and he is, he seems to, you know, have put his feet down in the trenches and said, Let's go, people. I mean, he has been more than uh, he he's been more than passionate about FAU. He's bringing them to a bowl game. They're doing good things, and you know he doesn't sound like he wants to go anywhere at all. I, I are you surprised that Lane Kiffin not only showed up in FAU but that he stayed at FAU? You know, I, I really don't. I don't really understand the climate over there with with uh, Saban. I don't know if. If Saban was getting a little bit too restless with Kiffin, you know, Kiffin can be a handful, as we know, because he's had so many jobs throughout the country. But, I mean, he's an X and O guy. I mean, I would love to see FAU play UCF. I mean, I talk about 1,500 yards, it would know, probably be 2,000 yards. Uh, you know, going back to Coach Pruitt uh, from Alabama, uh, I don't think, you know, Coach Pruitt's a, a class 
trenches in a, as an offensive coordinator. Tennessee fans will not go for 13 and 10 wins or 17 to 13 losses, stuff like that. He's going to have to bring in a high-powered offense, which in turn could be one of your, you know, one of your people from your conference uh, going over there. Yeah, it's uh, it, it would be a great game to see FAU and UCF. I feel like they should put an extra one on the docket and make Scott Frost play another two games before he goes. Because you know what? The Nebraska fans, they were so disrespectful, so rude. The athletics director talking about stuff. You know, I think we should. I think I think that once they go down to Atlanta, they should just lock the bus down and not let Scott Frost leave the bus. That's what I think they should do. So, Papa Joe, I mean, we're going to have plenty to talk about in the coming weeks, building up to these bowl games. But for this, for today's show, any last thoughts in inside of college football? Anything else on your mind? Well, it, it is disturbing that these guys are moving around a lot, a lot, and I think maybe there are some clauses that are put in the contracts that are allowing these coaches to move around, and frankly, probably not taking any money out of their pocket. If someone's going to hire someone to go to another school and there's a buyout clause, uh, I think I'm looking for the school that wants me to pay the buyout clause. So I think the contract language is really, really loose, which is allowing these guys to jump all over the place. Now, in in Scott Cross's case, I don't know what what he was making at UCF, but he's going to be making $5 million a year at Nebraska. Uh, I'm sure that UCF wasn't paying him that. So uh, as a financial a financial uh, uh, decision, it makes a lot of sense. Is he tugging on hard strings because he's from there? Yes. That his, I, think, I think he's legitimate. The rest of these guys, I'm not quite so sure. And I think the, the coach at SMU, I bet he was glad <laughs> glad to get, get the heck out of there. Well, you know, and it's crazy because Chad Morris, you know, he was, he was an assistant coach under Dabo Sweeney in Clemson. Then he went over to SMU. And and just the way that he was, the way that he acted, you almost saw, you know, he's, I the way that he dressed and the way that he carried himself, always and always nice. I don't mean this in a stuck up way at all by any stretch of the imagination. He carried himself like I am a coach that demands respect, and you want to know why I took over SMU? Well, I want and and he did. He went there as a and it was a playground to show what he was capable of doing. And the first year, they were not that great. And the second year, they were a little bit better. And this year, they're going to a bowl game. In three years, he turned their program into a into a bowl-bound program. And I'm not surprised that Chad Morris is leaving. I wish he would stay. I know that, you know, I wish all these coaches would stay in the American Athletic because I feel like if you want to make something a power, you got to stick with it and have the best of the best there. But, you know, Chad Morris, from the moment I met him, I was like, this guy is going to get a job somewhere. You know, and he's going to get paid millions of dollars. It's it's just it was just a notion. Nicest guy in the world to sit down and talk to, and 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 the aura about him was you know why wouldn't Alabama want me? You know like that, and it was never stuck up. It was just he was a man who carried himself in a way where he demanded respect, and you know, damn it if he didn't get it this year with SMU. They're just these guys are just auditioning, Daniel. They're auditioning for big jobs. That's all it is. It's money money and the thing is where do you stop because as long as nick saban's around and i said this to somebody i was like listen if the sec came calling to me and said we'll pay you millions and millions of dollars to come to come coach with us i go back to the school i was at and see what they would do and i look at my situation but they're paying you to beat alabama nine times out of ten you're not going to beat alabama and you're going to get fired within the next two to four years 
So, you know, the question is, would you coach in the SEC knowing that your your only job in the SEC is to beat Alabama? Well, Jimbo Fisher's going to learn real quick. One of my favorite guys from half-SU. Used to be <laughs> used to be half-SU. Um, uh, talk about a short leash. He better win at Texas A&M quickly. And he's got to play. I, you know, Texas A&M is in the West Conference, too, along with Alabama, right? So, uh Texas A&M and Jimbo against Nick Nick Saban in Alabama. Would love to see that. Yep, Texas A&M is inside of the West Division with Auburn, Alabama, LSU, and Texas A&M 7-5. and five. That's suicide, man. That's suicide. I know. But you know what? $5.55 million this year, and he jumps up to about $7.5 million moving forward per season. So, you know, but again, I tell the fan bases all the time, Never underestimate, no matter how long a coach has been there, never underestimate what disrespecting a coach or a program will do in the eyes of the coach. And they disrespected Jimbo Fisher, and he was not happy about it. So, I, you know, I'm not saying the fans had everything to do with it, but I could say it's easier for Jimbo to leave Tallahassee when he knew that some of those fans were booing him and the team at home in Tallahassee this season. That's right. I mean, uh, Coach Taggart needs to win and win fast. Uh, I'm sure he's going to have a pretty good base of kids that are already there. And as I stated earlier, he recruits very well. Uh, Jimbo's got to recruit against all the Western uh, uh, Conference and EAC, uh, SEC. Plus, he's got to comp- uh, compete with uh, Texas over there and and uh, Houston. And you know, Texas is a fertile ground for athletes, also, just like South Florida. Uh, so I think Jimbo. Went over there with with uh, great expectations. Yeah, well, he's got high hopes, and he's going to have to make it happen. Willie Taggart, the world is a funny place. I had Willie for three seasons at South Florida. Then he went over to Oregon, and now I got him back with Florida State. So I, I only had to miss Willie Taggart for less than 365 days. I'm happy with the hire. I'm so, I, I was somewhat surprised that that, that was the guy that, that Florida State – would go after and go after so quickly, but it makes me a happy camp. It just shows how, and I say I'm surprised because Willie Taggart a few years ago almost got fired, and then he got an extension, and then he started winning at South Florida, and he had this great recruit that he that was there called Quentin Flowers, and you know, and they've and Marlon Mack and all these guys, and they've done so many wonderful things at USF, and then he left Charlie Strong with an amazing team. And said, hey, don't F this up. And, you know, Charlie didn't. Charlie came in second place, which is the best that that uh, in the American Willie Taggart had done behind Temple. And this year was behind UCF. But, you know, I mean, Willie, he did. I mean, he was a coach where I felt like there were the rumblings of, is it time to let him go? And what when he was at Western Kentucky, he took a team that was nothing and turned it into something. At South Florida, he took a team that was a couple wins. I think it was two and ten to ten and two. So I mean, every everywhere he has been for a few seasons, he has taken a team that's in the basement and brought them to success. Florida State's by no stretch of the imagination in the basement. So you know he's got a better position for him. But you know I love seeing guys like Willie Taggart succeed because, like I said, he was one of those guys that I thought was on the chopping block and undeservedly so. And now, you know, he has an opportunity to have one of the greatest programs in college football. You know, Coach Taggart, 
just like just like uh, some of the other co coaches in the South. Let me put it that way. Uh, Coach Taggart's going to be able to go into a house and sit down with Grandma at the kitchen table and say, "Man, I want your son to come play for me, and I'm going to take care of him." Grandma's going to say, "Son, you go with Coach Taggart," and that's the way it's going to be. He's going to be able to recruit. Just like Charlie Strong does in South Florida, he's going to be recruit and be able to go into someone home like that and state that and get a kid to go. Well, it's a good opportunity for FSU to continue winning. And for the fans that were really upset about 6-6, six and six, I would like to showcase you Syracuse that would love to be 6-6 six and six right now. So, oh, my gosh. With that being said, this is Papa Joe's Picks. We have so much to talk about. And you and I will will continue numerous conversations over the upcoming weekend, and then we'll be back on the air next Thursday to talk about God knows what happens. But at that point, Tennessee will probably have hired and fired seven other people, so that'll be fun. I'll see you this weekend, then, right? Yeah, you'll see me this weekend. Okay, love to all. All right, Papa Joe, talk to you soon. And much love back to Papa Joe. Papa Joe's picks inside a wake up call with Dan Satora. Normally, we're making selections, but. You know, we got some time before these bowl games start, and there's been so much going on in college football with coaching changes that it would be ignorant of us to overlook all of the things that have happened. I could I could literally talk about this for two weeks straight, just college football coaching changes and everything that it means and researching and yada, yada, yada. It's insane. We'll take a step aside. We're going a couple minutes over today because the power outage that happened in central New York for a hot minute Send us back a few. We'll be back to speak on Thursday Night Football and Through the Looking Glass in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. 
The Pen and Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pen and Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome in your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Lee's and Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Happy to be hanging out with you this Thursday, December 7th. Can't believe it's December. Can't believe that we're also just a little ways away from being into Christmas. And as of tomorrow, we are one week away from Star Wars The Last Jedi. So I cannot wait for the opportunity, bought my tickets yesterday. Superpowerpop.com. Listen, so there's been so much going on in the sports world. We're going to be bringing you entertainment stuff as well on superpowerpop.com. I promise you, you are going to have more shows than you know what to deal with. There's a bunch of new stuff that I'm talking about that I cannot wait to bring to you on our brother show of this thing. I call it the brother show, the sibling show. I should call it the sibling show. And you're going to be able to Listen in to those coming up on superpoweredpop.com this week, and I can't wait for the opportunity to share a bunch of different thoughts with you on our entertainment show, superpoweredpop.com. Cannot wait. So, very excited about that opportunity. With that being said, we are at that part of the show where I give you fantasy football advice for Thursday. As you know, Fantasy Football Friday is with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com and myself, Dan Tortora. But on Thursdays, we can't skip a day on you. So I proudly bring you the advice on Thursday for Thursday nights. And I'm going to let you know who I would play in this game, which I'm hoping is going to be an offensive shootout because this is the first week of the playoffs in the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge. And with it being the first week of the playoffs in all five of the leagues, the one in Central Florida, and the four being hosted by the Wildcat Sports Pub in 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York, in the Home Depot Plaza. Go and hang out there. This is our first week of those four leagues being in the playoffs, and all of my teams are inside of the playoffs, so very excited. Drew Brees, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, play them all in this game. Michael Thomas, 
and Ted Ginn Jr. Consider them as uh, Michael Thomas, a low-end wide receiver two. Ted Ginn, a high-end wide receiver three. I like Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara as your starters and Drew Brees as a starter as well. Outside of that, for the Atlanta Falcons, you should be putting out there on your team for this matchup. You know, Matty Ryan's been really quiet. He's been really, really quiet lately, which has been sad for all you fantasy owners. But Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, God bless me, have been your best bets here. Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, I like them both in this game. Outside of that, Julio Jones is hard to say no to and Matty Ryan, but Matt Ryan's a low-end quarterback too this week. And, or I should say a high-end quarterback too. And Julio Jones is still a one, but he's a low-end one. As far as the injury report, any thoughts that you need for the uh, for the injury side of things to let you know really quick here on the NFL injury report, which you can get by going to wakeupcalldt.com and going to the Fantasy Football tab and under the tab clicking on NFL Injury Report. Or if you don't do that, you can just click on Fantasy Football and you'll find it on that page as well. So either one will work for you. WakeUpCallDT.com. Go to Fantasy Football, NFL Injury Report right below that. For Atlanta, anybody on the injury, nobody to be concerned of for your fantasy team. As far as New Orleans goes, Mark Ingram is questionable with a toe injury, but is expected to play in the game. So injury-wise, should be good to go. One of the best Thursday night football games, if not the best Thursday night football game we're going to see this season. So I'm very excited for this, and I look forward to you coming out to Muddy Waters at 7 p.m., playing game show night, and then hanging around and eating your food and grabbing a drink and, and watching Thursday night football following game show night. We'll take a fast break and come back with Through the Looking Glass in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. 
Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you here on the broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And to finish things up on today's show, as always on every Thursday broadcast, we do Through the Looking Glass, proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events. Through the Looking Glass, proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events every single Thursday to round out the show. And Looking Glass Events is an amazing event company, event planning company for you, no matter who you are, no matter what event you have, what you got going on, when it is, whatever it may be, Looking Glass Events is the number to call be it for a graduation party, an anniversary, a wedding, a wine tour, a sporting event, a banquet, a convention, whatever you have, a retreat, whatever you have going on, the number to call for through the for Looking Glass events and through the Looking Glass, what we're going to do in just a second here, Looking Glass events on lgweddingsandevents.com. You can go check them out there. The number for you to call for lgweddingsandevents.com, an amazing company that will help you with any event that you have in central and upstate New York, 315-702-4653. 315-702-4653. That is the number to call. We're going to be releasing two amazing videos from Looking Glass Events to let you know what they're all about and what they do. We're going to be doing that today, December 7th, and I can't wait to release those to you. Looking Glass Events, found on lgweddingsandevents.com, phone number 315-702-4653 for any event that you have coming up. I respect them. I appreciate them. Kira Wasserbach, the owner, an amazing owner in central and upstate New York. And in this segment, a deeper look at a trending topic through the looking glass, I'm going to look at Hugh Jackson. Deeper look at a trending topic. He's trending right now, and the Cleveland Browns put out a statement today from Jimmy Haslam that said, quote, Hugh Jackson will remain our coach and will return for the 2018 season, but we feel it is necessary to take significant steps to strengthen our personnel department. End quote. Hugh Jackson is 1-27 as the head coach of the Browns. He is the worst coach in wins and loss records in NFL history. And win-loss record, the worst coach in Cleveland Brown. I didn't say NFL. I, said, I think I said NFL. With a 1-27 record as the Browns head coach, he's the worst Browns head coach in NFL history and wins and loss record. Worst coach in Browns history. And yet the Cleveland Browns and all the wonderful decisions that they always, they always seem to make, he's going to be sticking around as the Browns head coach. Absolutely insane. Just when you thought the Browns couldn't get any worse, couldn't make any worse decisions than some that they've made in the draft and some that they've made in trades and some that they made with this and getting Brock Osweiler and paying for his contract when they didn't even utilize him to getting the the likes of Johnny Manziel when he had all of those issues and character flaws. Everything that the Browns have done up to this point since returning in 1999 with their new franchise after losing their franchise that became the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns have still yet to come back to the NFL. After a, after returning in 1999, they've still yet to officially, in my opinion, step on the field with a true franchise of strength, determination, and good decision-making. And I will never wish it bad on anybody. I'm just stating an obvious fact. The coach that you are keeping is 1-27. 
the coach that you are keeping has not won a game in the 2017-18 season. So of all the decisions the Browns can make before the end of the year, they've decided to keep the coach who is 0-12 and who has won one game in 28 tries. Seems fair. A deeper look at a trending topic proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events. The trending topic, Hugh Jackson. The underlying topic, just when you think that you've made a bad decision in life, you look to the Cleveland Browns. That is today's show. Big thanks to Through the Looking Glass and big thanks to Looking Glass Events. Call them for your event planning needs today. Whatever event it is, no, no matter how big or how small, if it's a thousand people, one person, if it's a, if it's a hundred people, a thousand people, 500 people, a million people, it doesn't matter. If you're looking to plan an event, look no further than Looking Glass Events. 315-702-4653. Give them a call just to get information. Let them know you heard it on Wake Up Call and they'll take good care of you. I want to thank everybody that was a part of the show today. Of course, Papa Joe in our Thursday segment weekly and Papa Joe's Picks. I want to give a, bit, a special thanks to Peach Bowl Inc. President and CEO Gary Stoken. And I want to give a massive thank you to Dennis Duval of Syracuse Basketball, whose jersey will be retired at the game against Notre Dame at the Dome this season on January 6th. God bless you. Have a great day. Can't wait to see you all tonight for Game Show Night. The best thing that's happening to Central and Upstate New York as far as a new night out. It's a change, a break from the norm. It's not trivia. Everybody's doing trivia. We're doing something different, something innovative, something fun, something exciting. And it is just for you at Muddy Waters, 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York. Every Thursday at 7 p.m., including today at 7 p.m. We'll see you out there. We appreciate you. Thank you for everything. Make sure you follow on Twitter at CallDT, Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT. And that you like the page on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT. God bless, be well. And for CNY Pop Festival, which Wake Up Call is a part of, and so is Superpowered Pop, you could go to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. It's all the same at CNY Pop Festival. That's at CNY for Central New York Pop Festival. Go there now and like, follow all of those on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter because we just made another announcement this morning of yet another former Syracuse player that will be a guest at the inaugural CNY Pop Festival, and we're very excited about it. So have a good time. Have a great day. Can't wait to see you tonight to enjoy some good Pictionary meets Family Feud with Game Show Night and some awesome food at Muddy Waters. And we'll see you tonight at 7 p.m., and then you'll hear from me tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock with the annoying moment of the week, sound bites of the week, and fantasy football advice for week 14. God bless. I'll talk to you soon.